Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Come on, G, kick it. Welcome back to the Tip of the Tire podcast, everyone. This is a very special edition here with uh, Crown League, and we're bringing back an old friend. He's always been around, you know, he's kind of omnipresent, but he's back in the flesh on the podcast. That'd be none other than Mr. Ryan Greco, our local basketball aficionado. Mr. Greco, pleasure to have you back on the pod. Thank you so much, Chris. I, I've missed you guys. We missed you too, buddy. <laughs> it was nice to have you back at Crown League last week. Um, obviously, a lot happened. We haven't done a pod yet the first three weeks, but last week was the first playoff game. So the semifinals, it was Maid versus Ace and six man versus one love TO. Maid ended up defeating Ace in what was a thrilling game, 85-84 in overtime. And then six man topped one love TO, 79-75. So Maid's going back to the finals for the second year in a row. And six man, or OVO, I, I don't know, they, they like to go by a couple different things here. Um, they're going back, or sorry, they're going for the first time. So now next week we will have Maid versus six man. And man, it was actually a really exciting week last week. So... Thoughts on Maid versus Ace? I guess we'll start there. Uh, well, I mean, Maid versus Ace, let's just start off with the fact that these are guys that were going after each other from start to finish. Uh, there was there was never really a point where either team really had a, the upper hand. And uh, also, really, just the wow and entertainment factor of players that were on the floor. You get a lot of talented guys that were out there that was really, I think, more than anything that we could take away from that was just the amount of... Um, how much the, the, a lot of those guys were really just loving and enjoying and living in the moment, and, and the crowd was getting into it, and that's yes. something that is something that we've talked about in past Crown Leagues that we've always felt that sometimes the crowd isn't into it enough. Yep. But let me tell you something. During that specific game, they gave the crowd more than enough to get excited about. Well, Kerr Hall was actually rammed to capacity for that game. The lead changed 52 times. You had Pascal Siakam from the Raptors playing. You had Dyshawn Pierre. You had Jermaine Anderson, you had Junior Cadugan, you had Javon Shepard, who anybody that is in the Toronto area knows how much of a legend that guy is. Star-studded game. All-around star-studded game. And it lived up to the hype. I mean, you had the buzzer beater there at the end of OT, or at the end of regulation, sorry, to send it into OT. It looked like it was an air ball. <laughs> it really did. He came up and he just tipped it in, and that sent the game to OT. It was very controversial. Both teams were freaking out to see if it counted. It ended up counting. Yep. Went OT. Made... I don't even want to say they took over. There were stretches where they were up by 3-4, yep. and then they closed the game out. But it was truly, like you said, a nail-biter from start to finish. Uh, really, the one thing that kind of always kind of took me by surprise, surprise in that game, though, is just that you're getting an opportunity to watch guys that are playing in the NBA and also coming and playing out here. But the fact is is that they're not as big of a difference maker as most people who would be coming into this for the first time would realize. Or, or sorry, would, would would be made to believe that they're the kind of difference makers that they think they should be. But in all reality, I mean, even just last week, 
we got it took it took an NBA player to make a starting, mind you, a starting NBA yep. player to make a game winning three just to put his team over the top. Yeah, literally like a thirty four foot buzzer beater from three he did, Kelly Olinick to put one love TO up last week and like you're saying with this game, made an ace. I mean Ace had Pascal Siakam. I guess we'll start with Pascal. We'll talk yeah, about his let's performance. Talk about him, yeah. Um he was good, but he wasn't great. He was six and nine from the field. He ended up finishing with fifteen points and nine boards. But what really, really killed Ace was the free throw line. And Pascal was three of eleven from the line. He's a career sixty-eight, seventy percent shooter with the Raptors nine oh five. Not great, but not three of eleven bad either. No. So that really cost them, and I think that's something that Pascal would definitely like to have back, because if he was a little bit better, they could have iced the game with the line. That's really what kept made in it. So I mean that's disappointing from Pascal, but aside from that, I gotta say Watching him play Summer League, shooting a lot more threes, him and Jakob Pertl particularly, his shot looks a lot different, looks a lot better. He looks more smooth. Something we both noted was that he's missing on a shooter's bounce now. Yes. It's not just bricks. They're actual, like, shooter's touch misses. So I know that doesn't sound like much encouragement, but you mm-hmm. can tell there's a difference in his form. And something you noticed with his mechanics was that his right elbow on his shot tends to flail out a little bit, and yes. that might have been why. But that's something Stackhouse has known in the past that he's working on. So definitely a work in progress there. But, yeah. Could have really taken over, but he didn't. So I don't know. It's kind of kind of disappointing. It wasn't like what Bruno was last year. Yeah, yeah. Bruno was just. I think he just kind of sleptwalked, like he just sleepwalked out there. Yeah, yeah. No, I really seemed like it. But I mean, the the other thing that you also have to take into consideration, Chris, that I found very interesting is the fact that you know when you see a lot of NBA guys come out here, they it, it always kind of seems to follow the same pattern, even if they've been here before. They come out, they horse around a little bit in the first half, and they'll they'll take shots they don't usually take on the floor. And then when they look at the scoreboard and realize, oh crap, we're losing, or oh crap, we're were only up by this many points, or some guy was able to just do something on me, and then they start going back to what their game that got them to the NBA in the first place. Yep. And that's exactly what we saw with Siakam, because he only attempted one three-pointer in that entire game. Yeah, and a lot of times he was lined up in the post, low block, back to the basket, setting guys up with that kind of shake left, go back right, hook the shot that he has there, and it was just killing guys. Yep. I mean... He, it worked. <laughs> he, de- he definitely wasn't trying out new things in that game. <laughs> no. Well, like you said, though, they were down 39-34 at halftime. Yes. Ace. And then they outscored and made 41-36 in the second half. And to be honest, there was points where Ace was up by three for, I want to say, about two, three minutes and change. And it looked like they were eventually going to pull away, but their inability to hit free throws really hurt them. But like you're saying, I think Siakam and the rest of the guys looked at the scoreboard and said, whoa, hold on. We're losing here. <laughs> exactly. And then things got really competitive. But yep. to Maid's credit, I mean, guys like Dyshawn Pierre and Jermaine, ja- Jermaine Anderson, they kept Maid in this all night. They hit some big shots. Dyshawn Pierre was awesome from three last on uh, Friday night there. He had, yep. man, 7 of 12 from the line. He was known for that at Dayton as well when he played for the Flyers. But obviously you get a little more open looks Crown League than you do in NCAA. <laughs> so nice to see him convert. Those two, though, they carried the load. They had 43 points combined and... Undeniable at times. No, absolutely not. And even you look at Shepard, we talked about the lack of ability of finishing at the free throw line, actually for either team at that point, uh, but more obviously specifically for uh, uh, for Ace. But uh, look at Shepard, Javon Shepard, cool as ice, 8 of 10 from the free throw line, and that was a huge difference for them because in a game where it comes down to one point, every free throw counts, and he was a guy that every time he got to the line, he made sure that he got his stats filled up. Without question, he did. And there was times at near the end of the game in crunch time, in regulation, where... Junior he has a big... Well, and Kadugan. Yeah. <laughs> Junior Kadugan, who's a big guy, he was getting to the cup, and he had times to add the N1, the N1 and he just couldn't convert the line. And that kept things yep. close. And then Siakam on the other end, he couldn't convert the line either. So the free throw was... It kind of felt like a March Madness game, to be honest. Yeah. Where kids are just missing free throws in crunch time, and the scores are going back and forth. But yeah, Javon Shepard, Scarborough legend, 
still in his early 30s getting it done and he was killing guys I, I was I was excited and happy Chris at the fact that that was the first game I had seen in the Crown League this year live so as as disappointed as I was to miss the Kelly Olynyk buzzer beater it was nice to walk into the gym and just get a great game right in front of my face as I was as you we were walking in there so <laughs> all the more reason to be excited to be back on the pod <laughs> one more guy I want to touch on a bit is a guy you're very familiar with Warren Ward Warren Ward at 25 points he balled out for ace. I know Siakam was the headliner, obviously, because he's Pascal Siakam, plays mm-hmm. in the NBA. Yep. But Warren Ward arguably carried ace at times in the second half and helped him come back and finish the game with 25 points. Talk to me a little bit about Warren Ward. Warren Ward is an Ottawa University GG alumni that has made quite a name for himself in the NBL. He's a two-time Canadian Player of the Year. Um, this is a guy who any team that he's stepped on, he's made a huge contribution for, whether it's for uh, the London Lightning or whether it's for, in this situation, uh, Team Ace. This is a guy that does not walk onto a floor, no matter who's on the floor with him, and expect to be a second fiddle to anyone. And we saw him prove that on the floor with Siakam. He's such a deadly threat. And really, actually, if, if you look at the stat sheet uh, during that entire week of Crown League, the only guy to shoot more three-pointers than him was Brady Heslip. Naturally. And, and of course, absolutely, Brady Heslip is who he is but you can make the argument at this point in their careers that Warren Ward is slowly becoming a guy who's even becoming more versatile because he's a bigger and longer and more a- even more athletic player, absolutely, because he's, he's dunking and Heslip isn't. He's, he's running down the floor and finding his spots. Um, of course, Brady's range is unconscious. Literally. But like, <laughs> as far as a guy who can actually put more... Um, value to his team in an in organized setting, Warren Ward is slowly making a case for himself that he should be more than just an NBL player. And, and Crown League is one of those situations. I was just going to say, he's gotten a lot better. Perhaps maybe can earn himself a 905 look this upcoming season because there's been a lot of turnover with the 905 roster. Brady, somebody you just mentioned, is yep. heading overseas to play in Turkey. Yep. Um, there's a lot of guys that are coming and going there, so... Maybe Warren Ward can crack that 905 roster in a tryout situation. or He needs know. to put on a few more pounds. Don't get me yeah, wrong, right? But, but the, the length, something you touched six, on. 6'5", five, 6'6", six, six, able to shoot it from just about... And when he gets comfortable, yep. he's just he's, he's devastating. And on top of that, how good of a look is it to bring on an OUA CIS player, alumni, played there for five years, getting an opportunity to go to the D-League? I mean, once again, CIS and OUA, we're not going to get too deep into that, but they always like to chirp and talk about how you know great of a programs that they're yeah. building up. And, I mean, uh, obviously that's debatable. I think we both know how we've felt about that. you got three programs, and I'll be blunt here, that's about it. I know Brock's starting mm-hmm. to make... Uh, Starting to make a little something there, but it still really comes down to Ottawa, Carlton, Ryerson. Those are your three big dogs in the OUA, and it's probably going to be that way for a little while. So, I mean, people thought, though, Phil Scrub, the Scrub brothers, were going to be these next up-and-coming guys to crack the D-League or at least do something, NBA, and they're overseas. They're making a career for themselves, I and mean, you can't argue against that. But Warren Ward is slowly looking like he might be the guy that everybody slept on a little bit. So it was nice to see him really perform. Absolutely. Well said. Anything else in this game? I thought uh, it was as exciting as hell. I, I, I thought it was, and yeah, honestly, the finish. You, had, I mean, I was there jumping up and down, grabbing your shoulders and shaking your arm while you were, <laughs> while you were slow, while you were trying to tweet things out. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't drop the phone, Chris. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole place up there, because we stand up on the upper level of yep. the concourse. And we're among the people. Great. For the people. For the people. <laughs> but down low there, you had people kind of going on the court. It had almost like a Rucker EBC type feel where guys yep. are going on the court. They don't give a shit the game's going on. They're yep. just... Going on like, oh my god, freaking out. So it was awesome to see that. I know uh, everybody that was in attendance definitely enjoyed themselves. Something else I noticed, I was enjoying the lighting. Yeah, that was a nice change this year that they made to Kerr Hall there. Kerr Hall gets revamped, obviously, for anybody who goes to watch Ryerson games, whether they're playing in the Matami occasionally, but most of their games are played in Kerr Hall. 
when they're there, the lighting is not like what it is. They no. installed all those lighting to give it um, almost like an MSG staple center, staple center effect. I know it's not the same. I know that. But all the lights are focused onto the court, and it's a dim setting around it. So that's it's a nice change. I thought it was really cool. I think that was a better look overall. It kind of gives you an idea of something a little bit more fi- official for it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's all fluff compared to the competition that you see on the court and when you have close games like that and big moments like that happening it just makes it all the more enjoyable for that atmosphere really more than anything and i was you know know, me i'm a little bit old school you're a little bit old school we both kind of miss jarvis collegiate and that kind of feel and how hot it was in the gym man okay jarvis i know people hated it but for anybody that's been to fordham it has that rose hill you know it has that feel to it the rose hill arena is known as one of the oldest college basketball arenas it used to be a barracks way back in the day that they used for World War One and World War Two for uh, storing stuff for the U.S. Army. It just it just has that feel to it. It's just hard to explain when you walk. It's grimy. Yeah, when you walk <laughs> into a historic arena like like Yankee Stadium, for example, the old one. We walked in there. You just yeah. your hair is just raised. You just feel it, and that's what Jarvis did at times. But you got to really appreciate Canadian basketball and just basketball in Toronto as a whole to really get that feel. So I understand the switch. Yep. I wonder if they're ever going to move to Goldbring. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, OVO already holds their tournament there. They're going to yeah. hold it this year. Uh, right, Actually, oddly enough, the following weekend after uh, Crown League finishes theirs, OVO is going to start up uh, their, their one-week tournament. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be too surprised. Although, at the same time, I don't think... I, th- I think they've got a good situation here because of the fact that they're already in Ryerson. Um, this is a place that they've already kind of made home for the last couple of last couple of years. If it gets any bigger, I could see them trying to do it. But at the same time, would I be a fan of it? No, not really. Yeah, I would. Pref- I would prefer to have it where they have it right now. Keep it an intimate setting. Don't make it unnecessarily large for you know five thousand. Like that's a five thousand seat yeah. court, right? And that's for more bigger events. If OVO wants to do their thing there, by all means, keep going, keep doing it. They're they're kind of they've always kind of put themselves at a bit of a higher prestige anyway, because <laughs> they want to bring NBA guys in all the time. Because obviously Drake's behind it, and all the other organizers organizers that are behind it as well. But at the end of the day, if you ask me, if you're really trying to have a, a genuine pro am streetball league, uh, Kerr Hall is 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 a nice happy medium between fans that both enjoy the streetball atmosphere, but at the same time also want to have that official look it's so like both fans of both sides of the spectrum can kind of enjoy it in both ways makes sense i think they appreciate being right in the core too exactly or, yeah i don't know there might be something kicked back with nike and ryerson i'm not sure maybe rents cheaper but we'll we see. discussed that too yeah. while we were at the game too that was one of the things that you know because we discussed the idea of, mo- of it moving somewhere else but i even brought up the fact as well that you know they have a couple of ryerson kids on the floor right there playing yep. roy ran is present for the past roy, three weeks exactly roy ran has been there the entire time and you know that he's a, he deserves an entire podcast on his own just that whole building of that championship team there but man even the program to build ryerson and now what he's doing with the fiba what he just the fiba under 19s they just won gold He's done a lot. He's a coach on the rise in Canada basketball, and I mean, we could talk a lot about the good things he's done, which, in comparison to some other coaches in Canada basketball, I'm not going to name names, but there's some guys out there. Not particularly they haven't done the anything. Nas- well, not even that they haven't done anything. <laughs> not even the national program. Something that's become very, very prevalent in AAU is people are out there to make dollars. Yeah. I get it. I get it's a business and all that. We won't go down that rabbit hole, but I'm just saying. Roy Rand is one of the actual good characters in Canadian basketball that wants to help the game grow, wants to help kids get to where they're getting to, and... It's paying off. He's doing great things right now. Anyways, let's move on to the second game. Six man and one love to yo. Um, 
Six men, they came back. They were down by as many as 13 at one point. Because One Love Teal was literally unconscious in the first half. Brady Heslip did his best Steph Curry impression and was dropping 30-plus footers. Yeah, that was no, that's no joke. Literally the yeah. volleyball line. Yeah, literally just for fun. Yeah. It was, and and the, you know it's uh, you you pointed this out during the game uh, that was nice to see a little change. He was talking a little trash for once. Usually he comes in there acting like a robot. It's nice to see some personality out of him. So last year Brady was a little quiet. Uh, just he was struggling a lot from the field last year when he was shooting. It wasn't his best crowning performance. But when he got hot, anybody who's ever seen Brady Hustle play, they know when Brady gets hot, dude. He you can put anybody on him and he's probably going to make the shot. He's very Steph Curry like in that sense where it's just he's making it. He's yeah. shooting it from anywhere, and it's going in. But this Crown League, starting from week one, he's been talking a lot of trash. He's been playing some tight Dion guys. It's a nice change of pace. You can tell that Brady's taking that next step in his game. Maybe it's something that Jerry Stackhouse has kind of, I guess, pulled out of him with, the t- with his time in the 905. But Brady's got a new level to him, and it's nice to see. And in the first half of this game, we saw that. I think really, I, I, I'm, I'm going to sum it up like this. F this. I'm trying to get paid now. I don't blame him. Like that, I think that's his mentality at this point because we talked about how he's moved, he's went overseas. He's kind of taken a step away from the from the G League, if you will, um, and uh, really, he's gotten an opportunity to play multiple major international tournaments. Didn't have his best showing with the senior national team last year. Um, really, kind of was was still a main piece of that team that was that was playing for the Raptors 905 that made it to their to win their first championship. Uh, but when you really also add in the fact that you know this is a guy who who's sure is, who's probably seen the tea leaves, sees the way that the NBA is going, and he knows that he's going to have to keep putting together those strong performances while at the same time going, you know what, i got to start making some decent money at this because I couldn't imagine him leaving the Raptors 905 unless there was a heavy contract on the table for him to go play Europe. Or maybe they didn't want him anymore. That's something that I don't know. Maybe you can yeah, shed some light I'm on that. I'm not sure about that either. I mean, I've talked to people that are familiar with the 905 organization, and they just said there's going to be a lot of turnover this year. They said that's the way the G League works, and you know, guys are coming in and out. They got to make room for the new rookies they're signing. They're yeah. bringing guys on new contracts. Um, with Brady, though, when his rights with the 905 kind of came to an end this, after this season, he went to summer league with the Chicago Bulls. Did pretty well. You know, he didn't do terrible, but he didn't blow you away. He had a, he had one game where he just went off, which is very, very characteristic of Brady. Mm-hmm. And some thought that because the Bulls are going in a rebuilding direction, I know they'll never want to admit that. And Gar Foreman is convinced that they're going to do whatever they're going to do there, but that's fine. Keep dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some thought Brady might catch on there. Nothing came about it, and now obviously he's in Turkey, so I don't know. Maybe he gave the NBA one last shot with the Raptors and the Bulls and then said, hey, more money overseas. Yeah, that's that seems like it's going to be the logical case because at this point I couldn't imagine them saying to him, I, I hell, I could even imagine them saying to him that we're, we're giving you a contract, but this is how much it's going to be and you're going to be in the G League. Whereas he could be looking at all these other places that because I mean, one thing one thing that people don't realize in those summer leagues is it's not just NBA guys that are there watching. There's nope. tons and tons and tons of of pro team scouts from all over the world coming over and looking. People from China, people from Europe. Name a country in Europe. Hell, name a country even in the Middle East. You'll see some of those uh, some of those higher end places like uh, Maccabi in uh, Israel yeah. that will look at guys and give them an opportunity. And these are no joke. These are some big time professional 
professional clubs. Heck, they a lot of these teams also have their exhibition games against the NBA teams. So if you think for a second that it's just NBA guys there that are getting jobs, or that these guys are are left out to are left out in the cold right after that league is up, you're dead wrong. Some of these guys are still clocking six, seven figures. Uh, right after that summer league is up, just because they're not making it on an NBA roster doesn't mean that they're not making that money somewhere else. I was just about to say, most of the time, if you're a decent player and you're playing overseas, you're making a little more than what the 15th man is making on an NBA roster. Yeah, slightly. Like, you got to be pretty good to make a little more than the 15th man. But the point is, the game checks differing from a G League to an NBA roster. Come on, I mean, everybody can connect the dots here and realize that. Playing on a G League roster is not as profitable as an NBA roster. Yeah. And now the median in between there would be playing in Europe. Yep. So you're making not as much as an NBA for the most part, but you're making more than G League. So I get it for those guys. And you can even bring it back to the Crown League. Let's bring it back to our original topic of discussion. Is the fact that there's a lot of guys that are made it out to these teams. Heck, some of them made it through an open tryout. Yeah. You never know what some of these guys might be able to show in this in a pro-am uh, league like this before getting a signing to the NBL or some other smaller uh, regional professional league in, in North America. Because there's more of them out there than you think, folks. And those guys, even those guys are getting the shot because of, a, of uh, events like here at the Crown League. Yeah, there's a lot more pro, uh, semi-pro leagues, whatever you want to call them, that are out there. Yeah. That guys, they, they keep playing to keep the dream alive and hopefully yep. get a break one day or somebody to see you. Couple guys in this game that are playing in like the NBL and whatnot, yep. they actually were the ones that helped carry them past, you know, the likes of Axel Tupan and Brady Haslip. One Love TO had both of them, so those are both former Raptor 905 guys. Richard and Marty, Christian Cabongo. Those guys <laughs> carried. The- Richard and Marty is easily one of the most entertaining guys you're going to watch in the Crown League. We have him on as our guest. They're made for the crowd. Yeah, Richard Marty. I mean, he's got the Shinobi headband. He's running yeah. out there. He's getting teed up like Rashid Wallace. He's he's a character and a half. One of the nicest guys you will talk to off the court. Um, he has an, a fantastic backstory to how he's gotten to where he's gotten to now. Um, for those that don't know, last year he took the year off basketball and was working security at the Crown League. Yep. And now this year he's in the finals. I mean, he's the story you want in a guy like this if you're the Crown League, right? So we'll have him on a bit after talking with us. Uh, Greco set up a nice interview with him because him and Richard are pretty tight, so that was pretty awesome. And he just opened up about a lot of things with us, so I'm sure you guys will look forward to that. But in this game, Richard and Christian Cabongo, they literally erased a 10-point half-line deficit and carried them past one love. They really did. And, and honestly, this was really, in a way, you could have made the argument that this was the matchup everyone was waiting to see because these are two of the best players out of the inner city of Toronto to come and do something. And I mean, this whole roster has got names lined up and down that are from the, that are literally from the city of Toronto compared to going up against the guys that have uh, so, sort of a quote-unquote made it, if you will, in the uh, professional ranks that are still making a living off of playing basketball and their careers still have a few years left in them. Um, so but honestly, I'll be looking at how th- this game kind of played out. This really was one love to yo's game to lose. That, like the way that they had just worked so well and had built such a comfortable lead in that first half, and and you said it best during the game. It's like they just went ice cold. It just didn't look like there was there was a lid on the rim. Yeah, they literally could not make a bucket. And instead of even driving, they just kept shooting threes. I get it. Your identity is a three point team. That's fine. I understand that. But sometimes, you know, I mean, you have Axel Tupan who's he one was of getting the best to the rim yeah. at will when it wasn't working for him. He kept attacking the rim, but. And, and it got to a point, though, where they, they, were, they were feeding him the ball and they were relying on him. But the problem with that was a lot of their, their shooters started looking very um, uh, docile, if you will. They're looking very kind of just... They didn't look like they were ready to receive the ball and they were just expecting Axel to get them out by himself. 
Of the 64 shots one love T.O. took, 31 of those were from Brady and Axel. So, I mean, you can understand that because a lot of guys, guys were yeah, looking, they, looking. They speak for themselves, right? They're super talents. But, you know, there was times where they were kicking out, and then as the game went on, they became hesitant to kick out, which I totally understand because guys were more surprised to be getting the ball and shooting. So I'd imagine it's a little bit, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's an adjustment to play with guys like that. It Especially is. Especially Axel because he's so long, he gets to the cup so well, he's such a good slasher. Um, anybody who watched the 05 games last year knows that Axel was easily one of the best players in the entire D-League. I know it's a G-League now, but back then it was called the D-League. And he ended up getting a two-year deal with the Pelicans. So that tells you just how good he was. And at times, he just kind of kicked out, and you saw them running that high screen roll to Brady to get the three to try and come back. I don't know. It was, just, it was just weird. The way they handled the whole second half was weird, and it cost them. Well, we were discussing this while we were watching it. I mean, there was a complete lack of, of ball movement. Or not, not ball movement, excuse me. There's a, lack, a, a complete lack of movement off of the ball. Um, you know... It, a lot of a lot of teams they they'll 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 load up with guards, especially in these prime leagues now, and say, "Oh, we're going to run up down the floor." And there's this this word that I consider a very dirty word in these kind of pro am tournaments. Do not call yourself the Golden State Warriors. I've seen a couple <laughs> of teams already try and say we play like these guys. No, you don't. No, you don't. You do not play like these guys. You are not. You guys are sitting out in a corner waiting to receive a ball. You're not setting off ball screens. You're not moving your feet, expecting you to receive the ball when you're finally still standing out there after your guy's driven to the basket two or three times in a row. Um, yeah, you're not you're not setting your man up for for an open look if you're 30 feet out, even if that's capable of it. But most importantly, you're not moving together as a cohesive unit as a team. You're playing iso ball and you're attacking the rim and you're kicking out. That is not Golden State Warriors basketball. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if anybody's watched the Warriors, they know that when the the guy runs to the corner, he doesn't stay in the corner. Something Zach Lowe talked about at length with Steve Kerr on his podcast was um, how they had to get Kevin Durant to adjust. Is Kevin Durant said he was so used to running to the corner and just standing there, except they didn't OKC. And they said that at the beginning of training camp, they they blew the play dead in scrimmage. And they said, Kevin, what the hell are you doing? Why are you standing in the corner like that and just stand still? And he explained it, and they told him what to do. And then obviously we've seen what Golden State has developed into. I know they're great before him, but now when you add a guy like that, it's just it's crazy. But something that One Love Tio does that's very similar is Murphy Bernatowski is one of the most underrated players in Crown League. He's a very much a glue guy for One Love Tio, and I thought Six Man did a really good job of kind of taking him out of the game. I know it was the Axel and Brady show, but Murphy's one of those guys that kind of sneaks out, hits that three, gets a lot of rebounds. You know, he just does a lot of things well. And One Love, you know, I'm not gonna say they became a two man team because other guys were just shooting bricks. But for the most part, when Murphy goes, it really helps Axel and Brady get open, and he wasn't. So that was something that I noticed as well. And even just seeing that, you know, we'll, 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 my running theme is, I guess, is going to be free throws in this game or in this uh, podcast. Excuse me. Can you tell him how to practice, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> um, really, he had the second most uh, trips to the line, and he went one for six. He that's, was gassed. That's, inex- that's inexcusable, yeah. though. You, it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. If you're playing at a level where you're going next to guys that are either a cus- the cus- on the cusp of the NBA or already in the NBA and you're moving around like that and you're such an important part of that team, you've got to show up at the free throw line. They're free. Yeah, I know. You know uh, it, was, it was very uncharacteristic for him because he's usually pretty good there. So it was just, that's what I'm saying, the whole second half was weird for one love. Yeah, like, and, and yet they still and they still managed to keep it close. They still only lost by four points. Well, they got outscored 40-26 to 26 in the second half. Yeah, that's, you can't do that. Right? I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I I really would have liked to see one love versus made in the finals because you tell them why, Chris. Well, because this is a very interesting <laughs> narrative that I don't think a lot of people will be able to put together. 
uh, unless they know a lot of these guys personally. Yeah, Made is com- it's pretty much composed of Eastern Commerce guys and a lot of local Toronto guys. I mean, if you ever show up to a Crown League event and you hear MC Akil Augustine yell out Eastern after every Eastern Commerce guy gets a bucket, then you'll understand how important Eastern Commerce is to not only this tournament but to this basketball community in Toronto. There's a lot of pride in that program. I know it's no longer rest around. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. But anybody who ever played there or is from around there is familiar with the program, they know. And those Eastern guys, they wear Eastern on their sleeve at all times. So I kind of want to see those guys and their pride go against One Love and then bring NBA guys. Because every year One Love T.O. tends to bring either Kelly Olynyk or, in this case, Axel Tupan, Brady Heslip. There's just They just bring that, and there's that kind of feel of the Toronto guys having a chip on their shoulder going, hey, we should be there, you know. We're still Eastern, and Eastern is the whole, like, we're the best team to ever grace Toronto, pretty much, is what they believe. Yeah. And that's fair. I, I love guys that play with that kind of confidence. I mean, some people call it cockiness, but I think it's sheer confidence from that that group. And it's a lot of fun to watch them with a chip on their shoulder play against NBA guys because you get the best of them. And that tends to bring up the best of the NBA guys, too, because there's a lot of trash talk. Oh, yeah. The game gets a little physical. I just I think it would have been a lot of fun to watch. And that's not the slight six, man, because guys like Richard DeMarty, Christian Cabongo, they're going to put on a great show, too. But it's just something that I kind of wanted to see as like a dream matchup. You know, everybody has those. Everybody wanted to see a couple of years ago. Everybody wanted to see uh, Spurs Warriors if they could take them down. Didn't happen. You know, yep. Spurs ended up losing, and then it was Clippers, and we all know what happened after that. So <laughs> don't always get what you want, but it would have been fun to watch. It really would have. I mean, really, once again, the the thing that is so fortunate because a lot of younger listeners, a lot of younger people in the Toronto basketball scene, won't understand just how dominant. Uh, Eastern Commerce was. Uh, you had your Pickerings, you had your Vaughns, uh, you had your Father Gateses, you had a lot of these schools that were that were good for many years throughout the uh, the GTA, but none of them were consistently winning off the quadruple A titles quite like Eastern Commerce was. This was a school for a solid thirty five years was dominant at basketball. This is what they did. They were the they were the Canadian prep school before there was a Canadian prep school. Yeah, they really were. Jamal McGlore. Um, they they had a they had an they had an NBA All Star before anybody else. The only other place that had anything that was that was resembling close to their basketball history was St. Michael's College, and even they weren't that great some years in between. No, so it just Eastern Commerce was really that important from start to finish. They were a dominant program, and I think that's what makes them such a memorable name uh, throughout the city. And it, and it's a legacy that they're going to be able to hold on to for quite some years in the future as well. But for the younger kids, that's how good they were. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in Toronto basketball history, like Jamal McGlure, Denham Brown, Phil Dixon, Eastern Commerce, those are four, three players in one program that you look back and there's no way you can look back at Toronto history and say, who are these guys? They are Toronto basketball history. Yep. They're kind of the renaissance guys that started all this and... It's just it's it, you'd be you'd be remiss to not at least address them and acknowledge them and say what they've done. So I think it's important to at least look back and remember what they were. And there's and, a dream. There's a dream matchup. I would have loved to have seen Jamal McGlure's uh, Eastern Commerce team go up against Orangeville Prep right now. That'd be fun. How fun would that be? A lot of watch. That'd be a lot of fun. Very quickly before we get the Richard and Marty interview, we'll touch on the last game. It was just kind of the fifth. Oh, place this was game. my favorite game though. I'm well, sorry. it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I mean. Yeah, Northern Kings playing CIA bounce. Northern Kings won 73-72 on the most bizarre finish you will see. And uh, honestly, before we even get to the finish, how shout-out to Dwight Powell. Because Dwight Powell showed up. This guy's making millions in the NBA right now. He showed up for a fifth-place game for bounce. If you ask him, he'll tell you one thing. He loves the game. 
He always says that every time. He says that every year. That's why he shows up to Crown League. But that is a huge shout out yeah, right there. Like, he that shows is up. Big. Man, he shows up to Crown League. He shows up to OVO. He just he loves Toronto. He's like James Johnson. Yeah, literally. He's like James Johnson. Like, <laughs> and can he fly? He can slam it down some guys, man. <laughs> you don't realize how big he is when you watch him. He's one of those guys, Chris, in the league where you look at him and you're like, oh, well, he looks like a pretty good three uh, spot up two at times. And then you get to the, then you see him in real life and realize, holy crap, this guy would be a power forward center. Anywhere else in Canada. Yeah. Anywhere. Like, if he didn't have the athleticism he has and he was just some university guy out here, he'd be a center, for God's sakes. But there, but because of his ability and how talented he is at basketball, and then it, it really more, what I, more or less what I'm trying to say is that it's not surprising why he's in the NBA when you see him up close and personal. Not at all. Physical tools are off the charts. And you know what? He's made a nice little career for himself so far. And he's Very still young. So. Still a lot to come here. Other guys in this game that you might be familiar with as well. Uh, Dylan Ennis, he sued up for CIA bounce. Yep. You had Negus Webster Chan. He plays yeah, for 905. Yeah, he yeah. had a pretty good night. I mean, he was 7 of 18 from the field. And the last one is Dwayne Notice, former South Carolina Gamecock. He had 28 points and 8 boards. And truthfully, he carried Northern Kings throughout this game. He kept a minute. But I think the story of this game, though, is more the way that CIA bounce blew it. They lost with four. They were leading with four seconds left. Up they were, by three. Not, yeah, they were up by. Yeah, exactly. And they lost. Like, I'm still trying to figure out, anyone who goes on, like, go on Instagram, go on Twitter, go find this clip. The clip of, of, of week four, CIA, uh, CIA bounce, and just, how do we describe it, Chris? Like, it literally was just, they had, there was two offensive boards, so first of all, no one boxed out. And that's, and that's shocking coming from the fact that they did have Dwight Powell on the floor right there. Well, he was kind of tangled up with the one guy there at the end. He was, but and he was and saying was... to the ref, like, you serious? You're not going to call that? Yeah. Which I understand, especially at crunch time. But what really killed it was when Dwight Powell went to inbound the ball, the guy that he went to inbound it to was still trying to talk to the ref. Yeah. And it went, off, right, it in the went chest. right in the chest. Yes. <laughs> and then he kicked it out. They heaved at the three. It was an air ball. But the guy tipped it in. And look. After, on the second try, mind you. Yeah. On the set. So they got the air ball, threw it up, missed, and then got another rebound, and then finally put it in. And it's debatable on whether that was going in, whether the, the buzzer had already sounded. I think it sounded, but I understand why you give it, because look, in a fifth place game, it's like 11-15 at night. Yeah. Literally at the end. We were courtside. It was amazing. <laughs> but I understand. Like, you got to reward a play like that, especially in, you know, a rec league setting. So yeah. I get it. No, I get no, no, it. of course. But aside from that, it was... Three entertaining games and and Freddie, how can we forget Freddie? Freddie, I don't I don't know if he knew those three guys sitting underneath the net there, but those three guys were literally chirping the hell out of him. They they were boys with the guy that he was guarding. Oh, okay, okay that's okay, why okay. they were boys with the guy that he was guarding, and that guy was actually pretty talented as well. He actually had a nice finish off over Dwight Powell at yeah, one point. Yeah, he did. He did. And and keep in mind, this is a guy that's no taller than me. I'm six one. He's maybe six feet, maybe. six foot two, yeah, maybe. Like he was. And, and to go up and under an NBA guy like that, he was showing no fear. I, I his name is his name escapes me at the moment, but uh, between him and Freddie going back and forth was just was that that's what made the game for me because those guys were going at him hard. The guys that were sitting on the baseline that was that were his boys. It got to a point where guys were taking three steps out onto the court as if they were going to do something. It was hilarious. When the game ended, they went to celebrate with the team. Yeah, they literally <laughs> ran in there to celebrate with the guys, and it was like okay, cool. <laughs> You know, there's not that many people left in the gym at that point at the end of the night. That's just the way Crown League works. They, most people stay for the first two games, and then, you know. And it was playoffs this year, too. So yeah, I mean, place game, unless right? you're like a basketball head like like we are, most guys are gone after the second game. Yeah. I get it. You're downtown Toronto. There's tens of millions of things to do down there. Yeah. So I understand why people leave, but 
No, it was fantastic, Still, though. Hell of a game. Yeah. So now we're going to bring to you guys our interview with Richard and Marty. Um, I won't say too much about him because I don't want to spoil it because he reveals a lot about himself, but he's an interesting character. Ryan sat down with him before, previously on the podcast, so I'm sure you guys have heard that before. If not, go back and find that one. Yep. He's an awesome guy, so I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully you guys enjoy our interview with Richard and Marty. No, it is. It's good to see you as well, Richard. And honestly, you know, we'll just get it off right off the bat. I mean, we're here because of Crown League. Um, we're here because the city of Toronto asked for it. The city of Toronto wanted it. They wanted a Pro-Am League that could be celebrated in the way and celebrate the players that have came from these neighborhoods, have came from this city, have been able to represent themselves the way that they have. And really just talk to me a little bit about, you know, because you're playing the pro-life. You've been playing the pro-life for a few years now. You've had some chances to grow. Talk to me a little bit about the feeling of how it is whenever you get a chance to come back here and really just put on a show for the, for the home crowd, if you will. Yeah, I love it, man. It's whatever you, it, when you're a little kid and you're, and you're in your basketball court by yourself practicing, this is what you live for. Even if it's not on the highest level yet, you know, you sit down and you're playing in front of your home crowd. You play in front of a bunch of people that are going to be like, yeah, let's go, let's go. Everything you could wish for, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit as well. When you can wish for it, there was a time where you were wishing for everything. Yes. From the the beginnings that you had, I had a chance to uh, read a few things that you were able to put up and and talk about. Which uh, one of the articles on Medium dot com, which was a very good read about your life, mm-hmm. and uh, what this even the city means to you mm-hmm. and that specific neighborhood. Mm-hmm. How much of that? comes out of you when you get an opportunity to come and play in a street ball league something that's a little bit closer to really to your heart everything comes out of me everything like everything I ever worked for everything I ever went through everything that I sacrificed ups downs everything I don't even know how to say it's just everything comes out and it's just like when you get to see a game like that it's so hard to hold back that emotion and try to be like a professional like they say and just be even killed it's you look like a genuine fan in the game before too <laughs> <laughs> like I love basketball you know that's, that's what I do I, I love it I love watching it I love playing it I love talking about it anything that has to do with basketball I'm, I'm involved yep it's you can see that I mean and even just because it's it's interesting you know obviously I've had a chance to talk to you through the NBL season mm-hmm. through your ups and downs and those mm-hmm. trials and tribulations and it, one thing that I always enjoy when I get to watch you play, especially in an environment like this, is because it suits you so well. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the things that other people would always try and detract about you in a professional game. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, sometimes he's not as uh, as easy to deal with on the court as, as, as he should be. Mm-hmm. But that sort of stuff here is celebrated. That sort of stuff is, is loved. Mm-hmm. And not only that, though, you've also had a chance because of these experiences to really show just how much of a leader you can also be. And talk yeah. to me a little bit about that growth. You know, I never ever wore that hat as a leader. I never take it on because I feel like it's something that just naturally, I feel like people just are. You know, people just tend to just follow. You know, I was, I've been a, you know, I'm a Christian. And being a Christian, you know, Jesus didn't ask nobody to follow. They just decided, they heard, they listened to what he said, and then he had people follow and believe what he did. So for me, I'm someone who's like, if, if I'm naturally supposed to be in that position, they'll follow my lead, you know. I just work as hard as I possibly can. I give everything I possibly can. So if I can, if that can rub off on players and that can rub off on people that are watching the game, I'm just thankful. Mm-hmm. What about some of the guys that you look up to? Do you get a chance to play around these guys in the Crown League? And what are some of the things that you've had a chance to, to kind of learn from them the last, even just with this experience and the year before? I learned a lot. Like, I learned what things I was doing that held me back 
and I learn what things I should do to move forward. So I'm in this position where it's like everything that's going on around me, I'm just absorbing and I'm understanding and I'm just 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 marinating it all and just being like, okay, this is how I'm going to conduct myself when I'm here. This is what I'm going to do when I'm on the basketball court. This is the way you have to stay. Be happy. If they're going to see you excited, you got to be excited up or down. Like, regardless, that's what they want because that's what you've already given and that's what you're putting out there. So that's just something that I understand and walk into every day. Like, I treat Crown like I treat the NBA, the NBA. Like, it's, it's, it's my job. Hey, don't speak too soon. You never know. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> the way that you've been playing the last couple of years. <laughs> now, is there any specific moment that stood out to you, a learning moment for yourself? Is there a story for our listeners that could hear? I think uh, a serious turning point in my life was taking that, that um, was quitting um, that year that we were, uh, you know, I was playing in Orangeville. Mm-hmm. And just taking that time off to just basically see how much you know how 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 I was affected by so much, and then when I when I stopped playing, how much I just felt so empty inside. Like it was something that I was like, "Yo, like this isn't who I am." Like I was I was working security at Crown last summer. You know, like people would tell you, like some of the security guards would tell you, like this guy was here working. He was standing <laughs> out there in the back, like putting in that work, putting in that work. <laughs> you know, I wasn't. I was, you know, I, and it wasn't like I I was, it wasn't like I was missing out on anything. I was just like, man, like let me. You know, like, let me just get back to it. But then the moment when I found that love again, I was like, you know what, I'm going to put my best foot forward and I'm going to actually just do everything I can to, you know, get as far as I possibly can and make make my family proud because I know my little sisters look up to me. You know, I got an older bro who looks up to me. Uh, I got an older sister who looks up to me. So, you know, I just try to do everything I possibly can to just let them always know that I'm always going to try to keep that respect and always do what I can. So going through that ups and downs and seeing all those people getting let down because I wasn't playing no more really bothered me so I was like you know what I'm going to do this for me and I know it's going to make me happy and I know everybody around is going to be happy because they love to see me play basketball I'm glad you brought up for me because there's a thing that I find a lot of younger players they challenge they they have a challenge with this sometimes especially when things don't go their way Mm -hmm. for whatever reason in ball what is it that the difference, the main difference that you could be telling some of those kids, because some of them could be listening right now. Yeah. What What are some of the guidelines you could give to them about the idea of not necessarily always having to make it to try mm-hmm. and do it for everybody else, no, yeah. but the, the, the true point of really just doing this to yeah. prove to yourself? Yeah, because for anybody who's listening, you know, you got to understand why you're doing this. You know, if you're doing this for the glitz and the glamour, you got to stop because there's going to be times where it's going to get rough and you're not going to get the glamour. You might get the glamour coming out of high school because you might have been the best high school kid. But when you get to college, you're going to come across a kid that might be better than you or just as good. Or usually is. <laughs> yeah, that's how it usually goes. So how you gonna how you going to how you going to do it then when everybody forgets about who you are because there's a the next person in front of you? You know, so if you're not doing this for yourself and, and you genuinely love it, you got to really rethink everything you're doing. You got to find some time with yourself and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to face a lot of tribulations. And you got to accept it and love it because it's going to grow and it's going to help you as a man. You know, everything that happens with basketball teaches you how to be a man how, on and off the court. Mm-hmm. So, Your collegiate career ended in Oregon, yes. which is a place a lot of kids would love to go to. Yes, yes, yes. What they don't know is you took a very unconventional path to get there. Yes, I did. Yeah, very yeah, unconventional. Un- you even came back to Canada yes, for yes, the year yes, with the visa yes, issues yes, and all yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. So Dwayne Casey in Summer League said that the best way for a lot of kids to get to that level is to go down south. Now, there's a lot of prep programs up here in Canada now of what's yeah. going on. Do you still agree with that narrative about 
kids from Toronto need to go down south to get that exposure, or do you feel like they can get it up here now? Well, now with the way that, you know, Canada basketball has boomed on this scene and the way that talent continues to just pour out of Canada, it's like we can't, you can go down south just to know how the competition is because me going down south and playing in Texas really, really helped me understand, like, how much other people really do want it out there and, and how much other talent is really out there. So, you know, it's 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 however you want to play, you know. You could stay in Canada, like you can look at a school like Orangeville Prep and you can just be like, these guys put these kids against the best of the best in the United States mm-hmm. and they get a feel for what they're all going up against, you know. So it all depends on how 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 you guys are gonna play it. But I do believe that it's good to Go home, go out down south, but I do also believe that it's good to keep the talent here and continue to build the Canadian basketball brand. Okay, I know you've seen both. Obviously, mm-hmm. you went to God's Academy down yes, south in yes, Texas. Yes, you've seen Orangeville Prep up here now. Yes. Do you feel that Orangeville Prep is running a similar program in a sense of where the competition? Obviously, they're going down south to play, mm-hmm. but what they're doing on a day to day basis is it kind of equivalent to what you were doing? Uh, it, it it's 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 maximized ten times better than what I was doing. You know, uh, Tony and Jesse have a great thing going on over there, and they continue to get it done. It's being proven. God's Academy was a great experience, great a great place to learn and and play basketball and compete with other talents all around the United States. But just what what they're doing over there. It's really special. You know, you got Don Maker, Jamal Murray, even some more kids. You got uh, Bobby Lewell's son. You know, he's a great talent over there that's that's playing really great basketball now. You know, you got a whole bunch of guys that are continuously coming up out of that situation. So I'd keep the talent in Canada, you know, but it's always good to see what the competition on the other side has for you. So now let's let's move to the present very quickly because I know we only have so much time here to yeah. talk. As much as we could sit here all day and all talk. Day. <laughs> we do this all day. Honestly. Um, really, now talk to me a little bit about, you know, because you know, we've seen you surface on social media here and there with around the kids and, yeah. and around the community. Yeah. Uh, you, it really seems like you've made a, a real point to kind of come back to Toronto and yeah. kind of spread that kind of love going yes, on right yes, now. Yes. Uh, talk to me a little bit about some of the things it doesn't even have to be officially. Just what are some of the things that you're doing right now to not only, A, give back to the community, but, B, also kind of prep yourself mentally for the upcoming season? Man, just honestly, I, I, I came up in a neighborhood where I had bad influences. Like, I'm not saying that they were they were, they were, they were bad people. They were people. They were people. Yeah. But there were people that did things a little bit differently. When we played basketball, it was – it was a lot of cussing. It was a lot of it was a lot of you know bad mouth, and it was a lot of th- and these are the things that I picked up on, and these are the things that I took as a basketball player because I thought that that was okay because that's that's the type of basketball I've only learned how to play. Mm-hmm. So when I'm around kids and I'm like, this is the way that you got to really conduct yourself because these were the things that I had to these were the habits I had to break, and going through the experiences that I went through my pro career, my college career, if I was to know that this was the right way for me to play basketball and not let not let your mouth do all the talking, but let just let your game speak volumes. And I would have just been like, hey, let, I'll just play, you know, and, and I'm going to take everything that I'm getting and I'm going to appreciate it, you know. At the times, I felt like I was bigger than programs. I, I had pride issues. I had ego issues. You know, I had, I had issues that anyone would have when you're given a whole bunch of stuff and you and you really came from nothing. You, you think you think the world owes you everything. So for me to... For me to sit down there and give back to the kids, I always tell them, like, yo, if you're going to put this work in, you got to put it in and make it mean something. Because at the end of the day, this world is always going to keep going. There's always going to be another kid working just as hard as you to get exactly where you're trying to go. So if you think you're the best here, just know that there's someone thinking the same way as you. 
you got to understand that you got to work and you're going to have to go through a lot of things. So you're going to have to understand how to be even killed at all times. Last question. If you can talk about it, what's next for you? I leave it up to God. <laughs> I leave it up to God. You know, I'm a true believer in God, and I do believe that God's going to take care of everything. So, I think I think both God and uh, your agent is going to take care of you in the upcoming season, especially after a season like that, and especially after uh, a, 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 a performance, not just today, but throughout the entire Crown League. And you guys get a chance to be champs. We have a chance. So we have a chance. Am I gar- are, you, are we guaranteeing victory? It's the only way you got to live, man. You got to live believing that this is how you're going to go out. So I'm going to go out like a champ. He's going out. You heard it here first. Richard and Marty is guarantee, guaranteeing victory. Not only that, we've had a few guarantees come true on this podcast. A couple of big ones, too. So okay, so, we're, so don't worry. You right, know, we might be, you know. Right now, right now we're three for three. All right, let's all right, go so four, four, four for four. four. That's what four we're going to do. Four for four. All right. <laughs> all right. I appreciate everything, bro. Richard and Marty, thank Marty, you very much. Man, appreciate yeah. it. So obviously Richard, to say the least, is an interesting character. Oh. I think people have found that now. Um, he's just he's an awesome guy all around very friendly something we talked about though was his time at God's Academy and how it led to Oregon and the prep program in comparison to US to Canada and more more specifically Orangeville prep so we kind of asked him I asked him at least what, what the difference is and he said not much he said you know if anything the resources are 10 times better now so I don't know if that's more of the times being what they were back then as opposed to now but I think it speaks volumes to the program that Orangeville Prep has kind of assembled here, and you know they're not that far off. The only difference is they don't have U.S. teams to play right in their backyard like other programs do. Like let's say like Mont Verde, they don't got to travel far to play the teams. You know, Florida's riddled with talent; they can go to Georgia. There's that's lots a good of, point. Lots of places around, whereas Orangeville Prep they have to go down south. So I think that's the biggest difference. But aside from that, I mean, I think the number one thing that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of higher ups in basketball because when you were t- when you asked him that question you also mentioned Dwayne, Dwayne Casey yep and i think this is something that uh, that the, the prep academies up here they don't like necessarily talking about this per se but any time that they get a chance to go up against the really big dogs they always come up short and this as, as much as as much as we're excited and the talent that we're we're producing for these teams there is a there is a certain level of uh, players there's a certain level of 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 I guess big time matchups, big time games, uh, that it just seems like our prep academies are still coming up a little bit short in head to head matchups. Uh, I mean, I, I remember seeing uh, when we when they had Thon and Matur Maker and Jamal Murray all on one team, and we watched Orangeville Prep losing by twenty to an Ameri- to uh, I can't even remember what the American school was, and I was watching it on a webcast, an international tournament. I'm going, what is really going on here? That you know you can have that much talent on a team and still come up short, and. You know, not to not to name any names because I think that it's very fair to it's it's a fair I think it's a fair criticism to make just because I don't think there's a way that people have really looked at it like this. But when you think of all these prep programs that are in the United States, and you think of all the generations of talent that they've had, when you talk about the training staff, the, and it's not just players. People people need to also remember that it's not just the the players that are talented that in the United States. You're looking at training staffs that have been doing this for 10, 15, 25 years. You're looking at coaching staffs, not just the head coaches. We're talking about assistant coaches that are going and really doing the necessary work, doing equivalent kinds of work that you would see D-League coaches, assistant coaches doing, NBA assistant coaches, college assistant coaches doing. All of those guys came from that system, that AAU system that's been going on for generations in the United States. You come up here to Canada, and I've and you and I have seen this, and I've even seen it especially in the last couple of uh, seasons, where I'm seeing certain quote-unquote prepped schools 
where their assistant coaches are glorified ball boys. There's not there. It's literally just you've only got so many guys that are still able to coach talent, unbelievable talents at this level. And this 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 gold rush of players has only been recent. It's only been the past 10, 15 years where we've seen guys literally making that push to not just make it to the NBA, but be stars in the NBA. So when you're dealing with talent at this level, it's no wonder that you're seeing a lot of the Canadian kids still going down to the United States because it's not it's, it's it has more to do with just national pride. It, it, you've got to almost kind of put that aside at sometimes because you're looking at the you're not you're not investing in the United. States just because you're going down for the sake of going down. You're going down for an entire culture shift, which is still prevalent right now in amateur basketball when you compare the United States to Canada. As great as the bounds, leaps and bounds as we've made. Yeah, I mean, a couple things I'll add to that. The prep program, in particular in Ontario, it's very new. It's in, what, year three? It is. So that's, that's and nothing. And, and we're still extremely proud of our boys and everyone's working hard. But even the politics are still prevalent in it. And it's and as bad as the politics can be in the United States, I was just going to say you're still you're still dealing with, like I said, generations of talent, generations of opportunity, multitudes of of, of chances for players if they for for if one situation isn't fitting to fit another. Yeah, know, I mean the AAU circuit in the states is. I don't want to say it's crooked at times, but there's not all programs that are about the kids no, that are making money. No, we can call it crooked. We've seen the ex- we've we've heard the stories. Yeah, all the camps. I mean, you can look at go all the way back to a guy like Sonny Vaccaro with the ABC camp, and I know he's the shoe mogul. Anybody who knows the prep scene knows the name Sonny Vaccaro and what he's done for it, and how it kind of like started with him a little bit per se. Um, but now look where he is. You know, like it's there's always people trying to make a buck out of it, so uh, it's it's just messy. It's messy by nature. But for the Canadian side of it. It's very young. It's only year three. I mean, there's still a lot of things that are going to change, and they're going to learn from the States, to be quite honest. And guys are going to come up here like a Jerry Stackhouse and say, hey, I can make my own program up here. Who am I competing with? You know, it's Jerry, very true. It's Jerry Stackhouse versus – who's that coach again? What's his name? Oh, but you know Jerry Stackhouse, right? Yeah. So it's like that kind of thing where you're going to see more guys come up here probably what's, and start what, to step what in. What CIA school did he go to? Or CIA – excuse me, sorry. <laughs> CIA school did he go to? Well, Jerry Stackhouse is a former all-time NBA – or a former NBA season-long champion for scoring title. Yeah. Butcher that. Basically, Jerry Stackhouse, scoring title champion. Um, yeah. Here's my card. Yeah. You're going to go play for a guy like that, right? I know he's with the 905 now, but he used to coach AAU, Stack Unlimited. Yep. On top of that, there's still that Canadian stigma. When you go down south and you say you're Canadian, they're going to go, okay, that's cool. Who do you guys play up there? The only time they take you serious is when you go down there and you play against their programs. So that's why a lot of the kids, they just say, the hell with it. I'm going to go down there and play year-round. They're going to reimburse me for playing down there. They're going to cover all my expenses. They're probably going to give me a scholarship. And then instead of me having to travel and just play these tournaments, I play regular season. I play in-tournament. I can probably drive to regional like showcases yep. now. There's just so much more opportunity to be seen. And I think... They just do that instead because when you live there, they don't see, oh, that's the Canadian kid that moved here. No, instead you're just like what Jalen Llewellyn is. You're just uh, you're Jalen Llewellyn playing for Virginia Episcopal. Uh, Virginia Episcopal. Yeah, uh, Episcopal. Yep. Yeah, you're just, you're just that guy now. Yeah. You're not a you're Canadian. The, you're the number two uh, point guard in the state for t- class of 2018. You're not the Canadian. You're not anything. You're just Jalen Llewellyn. That is, that is who he is. There's his thing on Draft Express. Here are his offers. You don't even see the Canadian flag next to him. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And I hate to, it's it's really ignorance on their part, but that's just the way it is. So people yeah. can dislike it all they want, but that's literally the way it is. And and also really building on that is another thing that people are uh, that I'm starting to notice as well now is I'm starting to see a lot of uh, top talent Canadian players though coming home for their fifth year, coming up to the prep schools in Canada. We saw it last year with uh, O'Shea Brissett returning to Athlete Institute after four years of Finley Prep. 
uh, we're, we saw it with Jalen Poyser the year before. Uh, there's there's that now streamline of, of talent. You almost see that that, that connection and relationship between uh, AI and Finley Prep as an example. Um, and they're going to take that every opportunity they can as well. But the only thing that's kind of that that can be that can be a little bit. Um, uh, I guess a repre- reprehensive or the, the the thing that can kind of throw a little bit of shade on that would be the fact that okay you're getting these top talented guys after the fact after you're not you're not developing them you're just taking them after the fact now and saying oh all those kids that we had for three years four years well now we've got this guy so he's going to take your spot over you you're going to have to try and find a way to earn it but then there's kids like Keyshawn Saunders on Orangeville Prep who did it where he was sitting behind guys like Murray, guys like Maker yep. for three, four years at a time and then coming able and then and when it was his time to shine, he stepped up and proved it. So really what it's it, it, you're starting to see that kind of um, a relationship start to unfold now and that kind of uh, politics game that you see happening. And I know we're picking on AI right now because it's not fair because there's there's tons of schools that do that. You've got you've got places like Thetford, you've got places like um, um, uh, Thornley or any other player, you name name a school in the OSBA, and I guarantee you that they've played politics at one point or another. You got Father Henry Carr, who's putting together twenty man rosters, uh, and of course, shout out to Coach Melnick because he's uh, he's he's another one of those guys who's really just doing everything he can to try and put together the best team on the floor. But you know, where does it where does it start? Where does it end? Where are you trying to win, and where are you trying to develop? Because those are the those two things are almost equally important when it comes to the high school game, as opposed to just winning. It's a fine line, but at the same time, I understand that why the kids go down south. I mean, look at the development they're getting, the exposure. There's just tons of things, so it's give and take. You know, for the Canadian programs like AI, like Thetford, it helps them because they're getting these polished players coming back and looks good in their program. They're yes. getting wins. They're competing down south. And the younger kids brand. are seeing it too. Yeah, I mean, you hope that rubs off and you get guys that can be leaders or develop into it and just have that effect on the younger kids where they get better. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps even they go down south or whatever. At the end of the day, it's about the kids and their development and helping them get to where they want to get to. I know some coaches or some program coordinators don't like hearing that, but you're full of shit if you say you don't because you're cheating yourself and more importantly, you're cheating your kids that you say you care about so much. So at the end of the day, it's all about helping not them and where they want to get to. They're not. They're, They're not, not a paycheck. If you're in it for the paycheck, at some point you're going to get exposed. Yeah. Every single time you'll get exposed for it and more often than not, you're just exploiting the kids to be honest and more importantly, the parents. I mean... I shouldn't say more importantly, the kids are what's most important, but the parents, most of the time they get them to soccer in and pay and, you know, some things happen. It's it's a slippery slope because there's no right or wrong answer to it because some parents, they just say, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes for my kid. And yeah. there's others that claim they're blindsided. It's it's politicking all around. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, it's all about the kids. So, I, man, there's there's no right or wrong argue, There's no right or wrong answer to this, but I get it. It's just give or take for both sides. But there is one thing that... You can you can't come back from if you if you keep moving it towards putting yourself and putting your program above the actual development of your players. Yes. Once that reputation of once your reputation takes a hit, that's it. It's game over. There's you're not gonna you're not gonna see you're not gonna see a single other year in the black for your program or for you personally financially if you've if, if your reputation takes a hit like that. At the end of the day, that's what it is. So you've got to think really long and hard about who you're putting ahead of because it better be the kids instead of yourself because once that reputation takes a hit, you're done. And to build on that too, I mean, you look at some of the coaches that have came to visit Orangeville Prep AI, 
they've just shown to the campus to watch their teams and their players. You look at guys like John Calipari yep. from Kentucky, Jim Beheim from Syracuse. I mean, there's a lot of coaches from the NCAA that have came up here to watch, even Mike Bray from Notre Dame. I mean, these guys are coming up here to watch these kids, and at the end of the day, they're not coming up here to watch the coaches or the program director or whoever's running the show there. They're coming to watch the player, the kids. So, I mean, it's only a direct reflection of those guys if the player does well. It's going to help you build relationships, open up doors that you probably never thought you could open because, let's face it, I mean, when these kids talk to these players and you're representing them, you're getting that contact information. You're going, hey, John, you know, you got anything opening up somewhere in Kentucky or anybody can help me get a job? I mean, that's just the way the world works. So they're fooling themselves. They don't think it's important to have the kids do well because it literally is going to help them too. Exactly. I think that's pretty much everything with that. I mean, it's a lot of fun pro-am basketball going on right now. It's a lot of fun basketball talk outside of just the NBA and just the Raptors. It's it's nice to see just how how big Toronto basketball has become in the last couple of years, Chris. I mean, it's look at all the stuff we've been able to talk about here for nearly an hour, and we haven't even tons. touched the Raptors. I know, tons. That's There's the tons. best part about this. <laughs> so if you haven't came to the Crown League yet, this Friday, Kerr Hall, 6.30, the door's open. Or 6 p.m. the door's open, sorry. Championship, just like Ryan said. It's championship. It, it's made versus six men. That'll be the premier game. But there'll yep. be two other games on as well. They'll both be well worth your time watching. Even if you're not the biggest basketball fan, come down for the atmosphere. Come down to see other people in the basketball community. People just are rallying around to support Toronto and the actual Toronto players here. So it's it's really nice to see. So if you can't... Or sorry. If you can, make it out to Kerr Hall. Sign up online at the Nike Crown League website. It's That's free. Where reserved. Yeah, it's free. It's free. You can buy food there as well. This it's right downtown, so you can go out. And after. it's real food too. Yeah, it's like actual like I, I think I saw some jerk chicken on sale or some <laughs> patties. It was patties. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> patties. I was about to say, if it's jerk chicken, I'm pissed I didn't buy any. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyways, guys, hopefully we'll see you Friday after Crown League wraps up. We'll be back to come and do another podcast on all of it. So we will, and don't forget. The other big reason why you need to come is because Richard Amari guaranteed victory. That he did. You, you need to be able to go and make sure that you see Richard Amari deliver on that promise. And we'll have a post game for that. Possibly. I'm gonna, I might have to just shove a microphone in his face right afterwards. But. And for the record, Richard Amari is 3 for 3 with guarantees on our podcast. So. No, we're, we're, our podcast is 3 for 3 on guarantees. Jalen Llewellyn guaranteed the oh, yeah, contest that's right, that's right, win. That's right, that's right. We had, um, had Tyron Watson last year guaranteed victory for the Crown League, so that's 2 for 2. And now we'll see if we can go 3 for 3. So we'll see. Check back with us guys after the Crown League. We'll have a lot of stuff going on as the day is going with uh, live coverage, post wrap-up articles and posts, and then we'll have the podcast as well. So you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Credits. And you can follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanGreco416. Also, guys, please subscribe to the show. Like it on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Cheers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.